Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for First St. Charles United Methodist Church in downtown St. Charles, Missouri. We are so glad that you're here, and it's our prayer that you feel safe, welcome, and wanted in this space. If you're interested in finding out more about us or supporting our ministries, you can connect with us online at firststcharlesumc.org. Today's scripture is from the book of 1 John chapter 4. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate a brother or sister are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I asked him to tell me those three little words every woman wants to hear. He whispered in my ear, Let's go Cardinals! While the St. Louis in me appreciates the sentiment, I don't think that's quite it. Today we wrap up our message series, Three big little words. Small words with a big, gigantic, powerful, life-changing, world-changing impact. Last week we spoke to the power that comes from our hearing that God loves us. Our reading today reinforces it saying, we loved because God first loved us. You may know that throughout much of Christian history, we've adopted distinctly Greek and Latin ways of speaking of the attributes of God. God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. Speaking to that love, Roger Woolsey got my attention when in his book Kissing Fish, he says, I would like to introduce a new omni-quality for God. Perhaps to override the omnis that have been displaced or reinterpreted. Omni-amo? Or omni-amar? Or omni-ominent? All-loving? If there is one essential and consistent theme throughout the whole Bible, it's God's love, Amo. We see that as God loves us unconditionally like a protective parent, like a wooing lover, and like a committed lover. God loves us incarnationally down to earth and relationally. God loves us like a friend. In some, God loves us like a God worthy of humans loving her. Then Woolsey rightly adds, we also see that God calls us to love in these same ways, to love ourselves and to love others as God loves us. Inasmuch as we can love others, It's because God first loved us. 
inasmuch as God does love us, we must love others. Inasmuch as we can love others, it's because God first loved us. Inasmuch as God does love us, we must love others. It was the first night of our recent pilgrimage to the Holy Land. My wife and I led a group of 23 people, many from our church. For the privilege, I was awarded the distinction of being named bus captain. Big stuff, right? They even gave me a a lanyard that said so. The very first night we spent in Bethlehem, the city of David and of Jesus, and of God's incarnation of love among us. I think I can speak for the whole group in saying we were all bleary-eyed and bone-tired from the long flight. We were running on empty. A promised meal in the dining room would help recharge, but nothing was needed so much as sleep. Beth, my wife, and I had just finished our meal and had entered the elevator, headed up to our room, when a group of four others joined with us. Seeing the lanyard worn by one of the women, I commented that she and her companions were traveling with the same company as were we. That's when she noticed my lanyard, and we had this exchange. You're from the United States. Yes. You're the bus captain? Yes, but how did you drive the bus all the way from there to here? At that moment, her companions looked at her with some combination of shame, embarrassment, and disbelief. My look was one of utter incredulity. I had nothing for her. None of us responded with love. Eye rolls, certainly. Love, not so much. Jesus commands us to love. This is what our epistle from John remembers and reminds us. Verse 21. The commandment we have from God is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. We are commanded to love. As Methodist Bishop Will Woolman put it, sometimes Jesus makes hints, suggestions. When it comes to love, the case is different. When it comes to love, He commands. Sometimes the words of Jesus are obtuse, difficult to understand, demanding contextualization and explanation. When it comes to love, the case is different. When it comes to love, He straightforwardly commands. Sometimes, knowing the Christian thing to do in a given situation is tough. Life can be complicated. Christian ethics may suggest a number of possible responses. When it comes to love, the case is different. Jesus simply, without options, 
commands us to love one another. And to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, someone who is baptized, means that there are some things for us which are not optional. A person who's a member of the Sierra Club is not a person who sets forest fires. A member of the Boy Scouts cannot be someone who refuses to build a campfire. It goes with the territory. As one rabbi once said, a Jew is obligated to volunteer and perform works of charity. It's not optional. Likewise, a disciple of Jesus is someone who in every situation tries to respond to other people as Jesus responded. There may be certain responses to the world which in the world's eyes makes sense or which can be simply justified by reference to everyone else's doing it. But Christians are those who, through baptism, have signed on, have publicly committed themselves to obey Jesus. And Jesus has commanded us to love. And we can only love God as much as anyone who, in the moment, we love the least. The most we can love God is measured against our abilities to love the person whom we love the least. In his book, Jaber Crow, Wendell Berry describes an exchange between two men as seen through the eyes of one of them. Troy became a fierce partisan of the army and the government's war policy. The war protesters had started making a stir and the talk in my barber shop ran pretty much against them. Troy hated the war protesters. As his way was, he loved hearing himself say bad things about them. One Saturday evening, while Troy was waiting his turn in the chair, the subject was started and Troy said it was about the third thing said. They ought to round up every one of those sons of and put them right in front of the dang communist, and then whoever killed who would be all to the good. There was a little pause after that. Nobody wanted to try and top it. It was a hard thing to do, but I quit cutting hair and looked at Troy and said, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Troy jerked his head up and widened his eyes at me. Where did you get that crap? I said, Jesus Christ. And Troy said, Oh. And then Barry adds this delicious line. It would have been a great moment in the history of Christianity. Except that I did not love Troy. And 
Here is the rub, isn't it? People are hard to love. And we don't always love. This disconnect is what gets John's attention. And so he writes, those who say, I love God and hate a brother or sister are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Liar, liar, liar. Have you known the disconnect? If we're being honest, and maybe this is the clue to loving God more by loving our neighbor more. In a real existential crisis of faith, John Wesley once seriously considered quitting the ministry altogether. Think about it. We would not be worshiping in this moment. None of us would be doing so had he done so. In a life-altering exchange with a friend, Peter Bowler, he asked whether he thought I should leave it off or not. He answered, by no means. I asked, but what can I preach? He said, preach faith till you have it. And then, because you have it, you will preach faith. By that same spiritual logic, don't we learn to love by loving? Maybe we start small. Maybe we start by not saying anything at all when someone is cruel and unkind. Maybe we just smile. Maybe we start small by not returning unkindness for unkindness by letting it die with us, in us. Or, being a bit more bold, we speak to someone we don't like or who is not like us or with whom we vehemently disagree. Maybe we pray for them. What if we prayed that God would bless them? And I don't mean in the southern way of bless their hearts. What if we prayed once each day for someone we're struggling to love? Can you do that? And being more bold still, what if we said, I love you to someone we don't love? And we say it again and again until the words that come out of us become the love that grows in us. If John Wesley could preach faith until he had it, might not we speak love until we do love? What if we said, I love you to someone we don't love until the words that come out of us become the love that grows in us. 
In this way, don't we live the lines of W.H. Auden? Although you cannot bless, oh, stand at the window. As the tears scald and start, you shall love your crooked neighbor with your crooked heart. With my crooked heart to yours. This is how we love. How the power of God's love grows in us.